Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. Show me your I want to ask you, do you, any of you feel like you have a messed up family? Any, any dysfunction in the room? Um... Well, uh, yeah, we all laugh because we're all there, right? We all, as soon as I say that, you know, probably that one family member came to your mind and you're like, yeah, mm, yeah, messed up, right? Um, and, and, it, and we laugh because we don't want to cry. Um, but uh, today in scripture, we're looking at a pretty dysfunctional family. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, at Abram here, continuing uh, with him and Sarai, and uh, um, you know, last week we saw where God had called them. They had moved to this new land. Um, they're there, uh, and then we get to see more about these people and how they conduct themselves and things that happen. And in in some of it, uh, we get to see Abram showing great wisdom and insight and discernment and peacemaking within his family. In other parts of it, we get to see him be completely an idiot. Um, there's really there's no other way to say it. Uh, and so, so yeah, um, that's where we, we are today. Uh, we're starting in Genesis uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 10. And so let's jump in. Now, there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Now, some people want to bash Abram at this point and say, look, Abram, he didn't trust God because God had called him to the promised land. And here he is already. He's just, as soon as there's anything bad comes up, he's just bailing. He's just like, I'm running to Egypt and I'm going to go there. Well, before we bash Abram too hard at this point, I want us to, to think about this, okay? Up to this point, God didn't say, stay in the promised land. Okay? In fact, once he got there, God's promise was, in the future, I'm giving this to your offspring. By the way, other people are inhabiting it right now, but in the future, I'm giving it to your offspring. Right? So Abram hadn't really been told, hey, set up shop right here, stay right here. And even from the moment he got there, he continued to travel around. He was this nomadic kind of guy. Right? Like That's what, what his life was like. And so I want to ask you, if that's your life, if you're traveling around with herds and people and a lot of mouths to feed, and all of a sudden there's a famine, there's a drought, there's no food where you are, but there's food over there, what's the wise thing to do? Let's go over there, right? Um, Makes kind of common sense, right? Like I think sometimes in the Christian world we can maybe over-spiritualize things, um, if I can say that, uh, where we just wait for, well, go, I'm waiting for God to tell me, right? And God, when, whenever, God, whatever, I, I've got to just wait for God to speak into whatever this is. And I want to encourage you, one of the things that God has given us is wisdom and common sense. Those are gifts from the Lord. And I think he wants us to use them, Right? And so when it comes down to, hey, my whole family is starving to death, 
I think wisdom and common sense comes in and says, move to where there is food, right? Um, and we laugh, but it's true. Like, like, it's just like, yes, this makes sense. Um, in leadership in church, with a lot of times, like, yes, we seek the Lord and we try to follow where he's, he's leading us. But um, on the day-to-day stuff, a lot of times it just comes down to wisdom and common sense. Like, how do we deal with this situation? What should we do here? We pray about it. We seek him, but we use the gifts that he's given us. We get, use the insight that he's given us. So God gives wisdom and discernment, and we should use it. Okay? That's, that's where I'm coming from on this verse. Because as I was reading commentaries, like some of the commentators were just bashing Abram at this point. Like, how dare he leave the promised land? And only bad things are going to happen when you leave God's will and where God wants you to be and blah, 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 blah. And going to Egypt is always evil in the Bible. And I'm like, what? I don't, I don't know. So, um, and so I just say, like, yeah, I, I'll defend Abram at this point. What comes next? No defense. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to, his, to Sarah, his wife, I know that you're a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. And when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep and oxen and male donkeys and male servants and female servants and female donkeys and camels. So Abram's strategy at this point is, hey, we're going into a new place. I'm scared for my life, so I'm going to pimp out my wife. Like, that's what he does. He pimps her out. He gets all these animals and everything for it, payment in kind, right? Like, it, it, this is his, his, what he thinks is the right thing to do at this point. Exactly. <laughs> Boo, Abram, at this point. What are you thinking, Abram? This is not good. He's scared, and he's cowardly, and he says, hey, baby, you look good. That's going to be bad for me. So I got to send you into his house. And I'm going to get all the goats, right? All right, one goats, it was donkeys. But still. And we look at this and we're like, what? What? What, what was he thinking? And you might say, well, I mean, does scripture say up until this point that he shouldn't do this? Is that ever, and this is early in the Bible, right? So, so maybe he didn't know yet that this isn't a good idea. Um, okay, if you're trying to justify this, let's go to the very beginning, Genesis 2. In Genesis 2, 24, it says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Man, woman, one. That's God's plan for marriage. Not... Man, woman, one, plus one, plus one, plus one, right? Or divided by two. Like, no, it's one plus one equals one. That's, that's God's plan for marriage. This was before the fall. This was before sin messed things up. And so when sin messed things up, it messed this up for sure. But this is God's plan. This is what he wants. 
man and woman together as one. And when that, when that oneness is ripped apart, when that oneness is divided out of selfish reasons or out of self-preservation as Abram does here, what do, what do we usually experience? Bad things. Many of us in this room have, have experienced dysfunction in our, in our lives, in our families, over this specific issue. Over the oneness of what God intended to be one being ripped apart. Whether that was with us personally or whether that was somebody else in our family, so many of us have experienced that. And it's, it's not what God, God desires. It's not what he designs. And it's not good. And, and so... Abram here makes this, this error, he makes this mistake, and goes this way, and Sarah goes along with him. But on this, this idea, before I, I go further, I want us to just dig a little deeper on the, what this relationship between husband and wife should look like. Um, and in the New Testament, Paul picks up on this, and he picks up on on what God said there in, in Genesis 2. And in, Genesis, in Ephesians 5, Paul says this. I'm going to start in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot, spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so Paul picked up on, on this theme that we're looking at right now of how is a husband supposed to treat his wife? He doesn't do what Abram did. That's the opposite, Right? What Paul says here is, husbands, we're to treat our wives the way that Christ treats the church. How did Christ treat the church? He laid down his life for the church. He sacrificed himself for the church, for the building up of the church, for the building up of his people, for the sanctifying of his people. And so husbands, our job, our, our command from scripture is we're to do the same. We're to lay down our lives for our wives. Abram here says, I want to protect my life. So I'm going to do wrong to you. And it's supposed to be the opposite. Husbands, we're supposed to say, I will lay down my life for the good of you, for building you up, for protecting you, for giving you what you need, for edifying you, for strengthening you, for giving you everything that I possibly can to make you better, to build you up. Because that's the model that Christ showed us and what he did for the church. And as husbands, that's our role to do that for our wives. Now, we don't have a lot on Sarah there, so ladies, I'm letting you off easy today. Um, but yeah, it does say there at the end, respect your husbands. 
And anytime I, I, I talk with, with couples about this passage and work through this passage with couples, I always ask the, the wife, I say, if your husband is living in this way, if he's treating you in this way, is it going to be hard or easy to respect him? And they always say, it's going to be really easy. If he's, if he's laying down his life for me, then yes, I'm going to respect him. That's just going to be a natural overflow. So men, I'm, I'm putting it on your shoulders today to, to live up to this, to live in this way. Because when we don't, dysfunction happens. Bad things happen. And that's what we see next here in Genesis. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Now at this point, we, you know, sometimes it's hard to understand what God's doing, right? Because who, who lied in the situation? Abram. Who misled in the situation? Abram. Who gets punished? Pharaoh. Right? Like, I mean, that, that's what just happened. And we, we can look at these kind of things in Scripture and we're like, but God, why? Looks like you should have done some punishing of Abram here. Like, he's the one that, that lied. He's the one that said, hey, my plan is to just send you off, wife, and, you know, you, you go get me a lot of donkeys or whatever. Um, but what we see happening here is what is God already fulfilling what he had said in last week's passage. What we looked at last week, earlier in Genesis 12, in verses 2 and 3, God said this. And I'll make of you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Then he says this. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Pharaoh, even though he didn't know that he was dishonoring Abram, was dishonoring Abram. And in that, God kept his word, and he said, I'm cursing Pharaoh because he's dishonoring Abram. And again, we can say, like, this just doesn't seem fair. This, this just doesn't seem right. And I want to encourage you that maybe when we come to these things in Scripture where to us it just doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem that God's being fair, maybe we need to thank him that he doesn't seem fair instead of accuse him of unfairness. Because the fact is, the most unfair thing in Scripture is the cross. Jesus, the only one who never sinned, died on a cross paying the punishment for sin. Us, who have sinned, who deserve punishment, get his grace and his mercy instead. That's what's unfair. Pharaoh was a sinner. He deserved punishment. Abram, sinner, deserved punishment. Wayne, sinner, deserves punishment. But because of the cross of Christ, because of his mercy, because of his grace, because of what he did in that moment, and the fact that he rose again three days later, means I can be forgiven. Means I can be made right. 
And so I just want to encourage us that maybe sometimes we should not question the unfairness of God, but we should thank him for it. Because it's, it's because of his quote-unquote seeming unfairness that grace exists, that hope exists, that mercy exists. Because if he were a God who were just simply sitting there completely executing every mo- moment of possible justice, we would be hopeless. But yet he sent his son to, to take on that wrath for us to receive the justice in our place. He took what we deserve, saying we get what he deserved. It's the great exchange. It's a beautiful thing. So Abram goes on from here. He's been kicked out of Egypt now. And the dysfunction continues. Chapter 13. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him from Negev. Now, who was Lot? Lot was his nephew. Um, Remember, Lot's father had passed away, and so it kind of seems like Abraham has kind of adopted Lot um, as kind of his son, since he doesn't have a son, Lot's traveling with him. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. Where did he get all that? And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. So again, we have another family feud situation going on here. Abram and Lot are traveling together. They both have a lot of stuff. They have a lot of mouths to feed, a lot of animals, a lot of livestock. Their herdsmen are butting heads with each other. No, that's my, my cow's grass. No, that's my donkey's water, right? And they're, they're just at each other. Um, and here we see in these, these two settings, these two stories, What I see is two of the main reasons for family dysfunction. Most family drama, most family dysfunction either comes in the place, it's connected with we as man have done something to distort what God intended for good between man and woman. Right? The oneness. That's where a lot of dysfunction comes from. Secondly, a lot of dysfunction comes over money and stuff. How many families have family feuds over an inheritance, right? Over stuff, over money. How many couples struggle in their marriage just over finances? It's a a, a big issue. It really is. And Abram and Lot here are dealing with this very issue. And and so I want us to, to take this not as a a thing that we look at them and just judge them, but a thing where we look at them and say, yeah, I can see us in that story. I can see where, where we mess these things up too. Maybe not me personally, right? But the, that guy I know, right? That, that's where you guys are at. So I just want to say sin loves to use sex and wealth to divide us. Sin loves to do that. And, and it works. It has a proven success record. But the scripture goes on. 
And in verse 8, Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right, or if you take the right, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And so here Abram shows some wisdom. He shows some discernment again. He says, look, there's no point in us fighting and feuding and all of this, right? Nephew, you pick. Which way you want to go? You want that land, take that land. You want that land, take that land. I'll take the other. Whatever you don't want, I'll take. And Lot says, okay, this looks good, right? Like this valley, it's all green, it's all nice. Um, And I've never been to this part of the world, but apparently it really is because even to this day, people still fight over this land all the time, right? Like, I mean, it's just always fought over for thousands and thousands of years now. Um, So it must just be a really nice piece of property. Um, And so Lot says, this looks good. But what Scripture starts giving us a little, little hints, little foreshadowing of what's to come, right? It says, God had not yet destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like, oh, yeah, that's coming. Oh, yeah, by the way, the people in, in this whole area where Lot chose to go down, they were all very wicked people. They were sinners against the Lord. And so while, while Lot looked with his eyes and he said, this, what, this is what looks best, I'm going to make the decision that looks best to me. And I just said earlier, like, we should use wisdom and common sense, right? And, but here's the warning. Sometimes when we use wisdom and common sense to do what seems best to us, it's not really what's best. Because Lot does what he thinks is best. And when we know the rest of the story, we know it doesn't end well. It's going to go in a bad direction. And so what looks best isn't always best. And the Lord shows back up at this point. Verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward, for all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, And there he built an altar to the Lord. So again, we see God show up and he reaffirms promises to Abram. He shows up and he says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you all this. Yeah, you you did a wise thing here. You separated from your nephew. You, You settled the feud. There's not going to be fighting over stuff anymore. But here's the deal. In the end, I'm going to bless you. 
your offspring are going to be as numerous as the dust of the earth. That's a pretty big number. And we know now, looking back, that, that those are promises, yeah, through his literal lineage, but also through the lineage of Jesus, which means all of us that, that maybe don't have Abram as an ancestor, but we've been grafted into the family. That's what, how the New Testament talks about us, that we were added in. And some of you, you might be able to tra- track your lineage back to Abram. That's awesome. But as numerous as the dust of the earth is the promise that God made to Abram of those who are going to be his descendants. Meaning, you're not going to be able to count them. You can't put a number on it. It's impossible. And so what is Abram's response? He worships again. He builds another altar and he worships the Lord. And I just want to encourage us that no matter how messed up our lives are, our families are, God can take it and accomplish his will. That's what God shows up and he's saying. He's like, hey, all of this, it hasn't hasn't stopped anything. It hasn't cut back my plan. I'm still going to work through you, Abram. I'm still going to do my plan. I'm still going to accomplish my will. Despite everything you just did. And in that, there's great peace. So maybe you're in a moment right now where things are in turmoil. Maybe you're in a moment where there's a lot of uncertainty. Maybe you're in a moment where there's a lot of strife. Maybe you're in a moment where there's a big family feud going on. And I want to encourage you that through whatever it is that's troubling you, God can take it and he can work it for good according to his will. You might not feel it right now. That might not seem that encouraging when you're going through it. But it's true. So I encourage you to look to him. And in the midst of whatever situation you're in right now, I encourage us all to be like Abram and come to God and worship him. So let me pray for us and then we will worship him some more together. Father, we do worship you now. We worship you by looking at your word. We worship you by singing. We worship you with our lives. They are our sacrifice to you. And Lord, I want to lift up anyone here who doesn't know you, doesn't know the power of Christ, hasn't experienced salvation. Lord, I ask that you bring that to them today. That through the power of your Holy Spirit, you draw them to yourself. For those of us who do know you, Lord, we, we ask that, that you do bless us with wisdom, that you bless us with discernment, and that we use it, and we use it wisely. And Lord, I, I thank you for those gifts. I thank you for those good things that are from you. And Lord, where we mess up, where we make decisions based on fear or timidity or whatever, Lord, I pray, please forgive us. Lord, in areas where we're maybe in these areas of relationships and money, we, we ourselves are, are, are guilty in, of, of, of wrongdoing. Lord, I pray for, for forgiveness and repentance and change in those situations. 
Lord, I pray that we can all bring these things and lay them before your feet and trust you with them. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who forgives. You're a God who heals. You're a God who mends things that are broken. And God, we thank you for that. And we thank you most of all for the sacrifice you gave us in Jesus Christ and what he did for us so that we could be made right with you. I pray all of this in his holy name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Don't you feel yourself.